0: hey housemates thanks for tuning in please check out our patreon to see how you can support us and help us to bring more guests more stories and even get involved yourself from just a pound a month visit www.patreon.com/ house podcast link is in the description and now this week's episode our house, our house. <laughs> And welcome, housemates. Hope you're all good. So, we've got uh, another fantastic guest this week. So, this week's guest is a musician director. He's actually got a single out now uh, that's currently being played on BBC Radio 6. Uh, so, very exciting guest today. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's Mike Assassin.
1: Yo, yo, yo.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Thank you so much for joining
2: us. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me, guys. Much love for real.
0: So excited because um, we we met a couple of years ago now. I think maybe was
2: it two? two, was, two was it two years, years ago? ago? Yeah, by our yeah. mutual good friend, the the Boloko one, Messiah Boloko.
1: <laughs> <laughs> from memory, there was a there was a hefty bike ride involved in that meet.
2: <laughs> that ride was serious. I'm lucky I was conditioned though because um. I cycle in London, but when I was up um, Mablethorpe, so yeah, like it's a different journey because you <laughs> you have to cycle on sand and boardwalk before you yeah, can get beaches. to where we met you guys. But yeah, lucky I was I was conditioned because like if I was to try and do that back ride now, it would finish me. Like I couldn't do that. right <laughs>
1: now. I'm pretty sure he probably brought you the scenic route and, and not the most direct yeah. route as well. I think there might have been there might have been a hand of play there somewhere.
2: It was coming back that was the mad one because we actually, it was daytime obviously, so we could actually go along the beachfront and then whenever we had to go off road, we could just go off road. But when we were coming back, it's literally like country roads, no street lights, and basically we're using like the lights on our phones. (laughs) <laughs> As so, it was just dark. It was, and he said to me, "It's, it's going to be proper dark." And I'm thinking, "No, oh, but there's going to be there's no streetlights in the country." And then when I moved up there, and then I would actually have to cycle back and forth from work at night, I realised that yeah, this is your you you have to get lights and stuff on your back. Where it's, it's proper like ET get out territory, like proper.
0: <laughs> so just for context for our listeners, it was a Mabel thought to Skegness, wasn't it?
2: Mabel thought to Skegness yeah
0: <laughs> and how long did it take
2: I think going there it took about or was you guys in Ingle Mills was you guys in Ingle Mills yeah, or was you, Ingle yeah. Miles, yeah. yeah so from Mablethorpe to Ingle Mills I think it was like to get there it might have been an hour and a bit an hour and a half or maybe just under two hours but and we were kind of cycling scenically and then on the way back I think it took it took about just a little bit shorter, actually, because I think we were more motivated to get back. Like, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just to <get> really <laughs> going, but yeah, it was um, yeah, it was a good little, good little um, <laughs> little journey for all.
0: It was great to meet you at that time as well. Um, so let's let's find out a little bit more about yourself then.
1: Okay, so one of the things that we um are probably introducing, I guess, more of a. a a standardized word for it is we want you to kind of give us your, the Mike's assassin CV. Okay. So in a few words, if you were writing a CV to sell yourself, Mm -hmm. what would your personal profile say?
2: Like the long version or the the kind of bite-sized shredded wheat version?
1: Shredded wheat (laughs) all the way. All
2: right. So I'm a, I'm a musician. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a director and um, I like connecting people with people and um, I like being involved in projects where it's creative and entrepreneurial. That's pretty much the crux of everything that I do.
1: Awesome. And so if you were to to label maybe your top three skills within each of them areas, what would they be? So only three skills overall, but what would... What would you um, say your, your super strengths are
2: that I'm gonna stay working on something longer than everybody else um I require less sleep than everybody else <laughs> and
1: definitely needed for an entrepreneur
2: and um I'm, I'm I don't really put my heart and soul into anything that I don't love and that's pretty much it like once I do something it's because I truly love doing it or I want to do it um I would I won't I won't do something if I'm not fully in love with it. If that sounds noisy, I can shut the window because we've been having torrential <laughs> rain out here in Barbados It's hurricane season, so it goes from like let me definitely shut the window. So it it goes from like torrential rain to like super super sunny. It's okay today.
0: So, so i think like you're the uh the, the guest who's uh broadcasted the furthest away so far
2: then okay All the so way international that. pimping yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is, no i've, I've got uh, this is a story in it so I, I want to tell you this Barbados story this is a story in itself. So <laughs> <well.
1: laughs> this is lockdown city this isn't it <laughs> this
2: is locked down if i tell you this story the after you've done your cv thing if you uh, i can go into this Barbados story how i ended up here
1: I'll tell you what we'll do the last bit very quickly yeah. um hobbies and interests
2: <laughs> easy um, one I like music um I like documentaries to do with um like business um things to do with the mind wildlife like old school wrestling and boxing and u f c not old old documentaries and new documentaries um podcast more audio books than podcasts um and yeah that's it and just just like
0: creative again
2: creative things yeah
0: okay so tell us your Barbados story
2: okay so this is this is a quarantine story for the ages right (laughs) so back in back in February I um I had so I ran an online video production company and um I had just moved up to Mabelforth from London in that September. So I'm adjusting, getting used to life in the countryside. I get a job and co op as a manager and so I'm working this job. It starts off okay and then it starts to go downhill terribly and this then leads into my story. So um in February, January, February, I get um, get a, just family message that my grandma is not doing too well and she's, yeah, she's not doing too well. Now, me and my grandma are very close. So I used to live in Barbados when I was a baby. And um, so I was born in the UK, came to Barbados when I was a small child, did nursery out here. Then I came back to the UK and did school. So... My first memories are of Barbados, my first memories are of my grandmother. Me and my grandma are really close. So I'm in I'm in Mabel Fort. I'm dealing with some stuff with my job, which is now my ex-job. And then, um, yeah, the beginning of the year starts, get this call that my grandma's not doing too well. And it's one of those ones where, yeah, you need to kind of come out here. So because of my work is flexible with video and stuff, I can out of all the grandkids, I'm the one who's always the most flexible. So I come to London, I had some scheduled video shoots in London, Um, had about maybe about 10 back to back um, short form videos that I do called 60 second video business cards. So I've got them all scheduled in London. Um, I know I'm going to get paid from these when I get there. And I had a bunch of video shoots to do while I was in London. And so my goal was like, okay, I'm not sure how it's all going to pan out. But I may need to jump on a plane quickly. So I've come to London with winter clothes for London and a smaller suitcase with summer stuff just in case like I have to jump on that plane. So I knew grandma was well. She'd recovered and everything. She's doing good. And I'm in constant communication with her. And so I've come to London, done these video shoots. And then it was just like, okay, cool. If you can get this flight at this time, it's going to be like, it's like, um, um Tui, T-U-I. So they do really cheap flights. This is how I come out to. I used to come out to Barbados every other year, um, or sometimes even once or twice a year, just based on these short for these short cheap flights. So they had one flight going on like the fifth of March. This was like one of the last ones, and it was only for like a hundred and something pounds. So I was like, cool. So just jumped on that, came out to Barbados, and then my heart was kind of like feeling that like I really want to see my grandma. I don't want nothing to happen to her before I can see her. Yeah, yeah. So I've got here now. And it was one of those ones where the whole country wasn't in lockdown. It wasn't in a panic state where people, there wasn't even that much people wearing masks when I got back to London. Even not where I was, Mabel thought, when I got back to London, there wasn't anybody wearing masks. There might have been one or two people at the airport, but it wasn't this widespread thing. And so when I came to London, I was there from like the middle of February and I flew out in March. So I had a bunch of shoots. So I said to myself, you know what? Now I'm gonna do these shoots. Then I'm gonna kind of just stay to myself leading up to when I flew out, which I did. Got here, saw my grandma. Just checked her; everything was good. Spent some time with her, Then I was like, okay, cool. Now I'm in. <laughs> now I'm in Barbados, and I, because I'm dealing with some stuff that was going on back home with my job co-op, and then knowing that my grandma's, um, it was hard for me to kind of enjoy the trip because still, I still have, I still don't even really see this as a holiday. I came out here to see my grandmother then the whole world got locked down with covid and so um it became not only just seeing things that were happening back home with the panic buying and everything but you're in a small island and it's a very social island so it's like this is a this is a proper like it's like a proper caribbean island like the elders chill in rum shops and like <laughs> like it's just it's just whole communities based around um entertainment drink food so when the island started to get locked down, it was like the people on the island, it was like a big adjustment. Like even to this day, like you can't even wearing what um, November, you still can't go into a supermarket without a mask on or without having your hand sanitizer. So they took it very seriously over here. Where back in the UK it seemed like it was a bit blase. Everybody wasn't really treating it serious. Yeah. And then um yeah. dealing with all this lockdown stuff. At the same time, I'm now dealing with like a race discrimination case with co-op. So when I was working at co-op, it was just a crazy situation. I, I got the job there. I started off really work, really enjoying the work. And then I started to realise like how they were treating me, um, the little microaggressions, things they would say to me that they wouldn't say to everybody else, all these different things. And so it made me kind of think like I need to start documenting this because I feel like they're trying to do something. You know, you get that feeling when you're like, nah, this doesn't feel...
1: Doesn't sit right.
2: Doesn't. Well, I started recording them. I started recording them in the meetings because they said to me that every room in the store was recorded and it's monitored. And um, she kept on saying it to me as well. My manager, she kept on saying, like, oh, every room in there is recorded. Like I'm going to come in and bundle my bag with loads of stuff. It was kind of like, yeah, every room in there is recorded. And I'm thinking I'm a manager there. I'm the first black manager that they ever had in the store I'm probably one of four black people in the whole town of 12,000 people. So it was one of those ones where I was just kind of like, yeah, this don't feel right. And I guess when you, the way how I live my life, I just connect and just chill with so many different people. I can sometimes be a bit naive. I can be like, okay, like, you, you, I, when people don't like me, I'm like, right, you don't like me? I'm the fucking guy. I'm the, <laughs> my energy's is bla- You don't like me. It almost becomes like a mission to be like, nah, you're going to have to love me. And then I realized, like, right, even if I go there with my best energy and I'm on a vibe, they're just there's something about me that they're just not liking for me. And I couldn't put my finger on it. I ended up getting fired and started to see all these different lies and things that they were telling about me. So luckily I had recorded certain conversations. So when they did try to lie about me, I was almost pleading with them like look, I have a recording of this. I have a recording to show that what you've written is a lie. Just just tell the truth. All I want is an apology and my job back. I don't even really want to take this further. I just want an apology and my job back. They were like, Oh, there's no apology, you did this, this and this. So I'm pleading with them, just look, I've got proof, just 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 tell the truth and then just let it be. They didn't want to do that. So then I had to go through in Employment Tribunal. And this was in December. So this has been going on since December. Being in Barbados, this is in the middle of lockdown, quarantine. Everybody in the world's going crazy. There's these protests going on. The George Floyd stuff's happening. There's a lot of people having this conversation around race. I'm going through a race discrimination case at this time with Midlands Tribunal. Um, and I've basically got one of the biggest law firms in the country telling me that I'm a liar, telling me that I'm lazy, telling me that I'm aggressive. Just all these little, they say it in a way that makes it seem that you're not, like, um, they say it in a way to try and, like, make it seem like it's regular. But once you're around it, once you've had conversations with people who have been told the same thing, once you group all these experiences together, you start to see all the little words that they use. So... I've had to represent myself in two hearings since I've been over here, one in May, one in July. And um, yeah, like one of the biggest law firms in the country, just their lawyer just crumbled. Like he crumbled on, um, like he didn't research. It's like he didn't research it. He didn't take my case seriously. And he thought it was almost just going to be like an easy win. But I was researched. I've been researching this for about three, four months, Like, like six to eight hour days every day researching case law, how to represent myself. And now I'm in a situation where it goes to full trial next year, July, um, five day trial. Um, and currently in the hearings, the um, yeah, the judges seen my they've been they've seen what I've put forward, and basically they they feel that my evidence has very very strong grounds um, to show things like the microaggressions, how I was treated differently from everybody else, how staff who are a different race to me were treated differently and all these things so yeah um in the mix of all of that it just led me up to be like you know what i'm gonna release this single called five wings and so five wings is almost like a culmination of this whole year like not knowing if my grandma's gonna be alive by the time i get to barbados not knowing like how things are gonna be when i get back i'm um, going through this race discrimination case my website getting hacked and all this stuff and then releasing this song like a little sigh of relief like fucking hell like i've finally finally do done it
1: <laughs> the yeah. you know the you talk then about the your website getting hacked did did you have any reason to believe that that was something to do with past employment
2: i can't prove it but i think it is um i can't prove it but um i i consulted some security experts Um, I spoke to quite a few people who work in HR and the legal side. Some of them who I have personal relationships with have said 100% they would hack your website and make sure that you can't operate because like, for it to be uncomfortable for you is a benefit to them. Like, um, If you can't operate, if you can't send in files on time, because if you don't send in files on time to the employment tribunal, you get hit with like £1,000 fines um, they already know I'm outside the country. I have limited income while I'm outside the country. So everything I'm generating is through my own websites and stuff. So my website's been hacked before, back in, like, 2012. Since then, we did, like, security things and upgraded. But um, I think it's too perfect timing, but what, yeah. what, I can't prove it. Um, yeah, yeah. And... So it was hacked. Did they just try and shut it down? Is that what they were doing? or No. Nope. I was logging into my emails. Yeah. I was thinking to myself, I've had my own server, like um shared server, but I'm looking into my emails and I'm thinking, my email inbox feels very sluggish. Like everything is taking long. To, if you click on the, click on a message, it takes long to open. Um, It felt like it was just sluggish, like someone else is in there or someone else is monitoring it. It's almost like like a buffer happening in my email. So I checked my internet system. I spoke to um my web server, my web host. I was like, this is happening. And um yeah, I ended up doing some deep scans on my email inbox and on my server. And there was all these hidden chosen horses in my emails. Um, there was also on the server, someone had accessed the server and because I was over here and my business wasn't really we wasn't doing loads of client work. It was kind of more creative um, private work i wasn't going onto my website every day and so when i did check the server there was an access in the server in september and then that's when i saw like someone had gained access to the server in september and that's when everything started to go downhill from then so it took me like a month basically it took me a month to basically move everything over to a new server add all these different security things in place and basically um yeah clean 10 years of emails one email by email scanning it checking through scanning it. it took me about a month to sort all of that out and um yeah yes yeah, so it's been a crazy time it's like it's put yeah i've never felt so attacked in my life like never ever felt so attacked in my life
1: do you think that um so you've got the trial coming up next year mm-hmm. What do you expect to happen before? Then do you expect that to kind of get settled out, or are you, would you be in in that position now where it's we've gone we've gone way past that? You know, I don't know.
2: You know, like I think with us being like you guys could um, you guys could appreciate this. We're creatives, and we're like we have to be a bit. I guess we have to be a bit crazy to even do what we want to do. Like that, I, I could only imagine the hours you guys have to put in as parents and as creatives and as people who have to work and create a living like you have to actually be insane to actually want to really do this as a passion. And when that, when that is, um, when that is anyway challenged. And I feel that with the hacking of my website, with just the lies told against me, if I, if this was something that was, Growing up where I grew up in South London, if this happened on the streets in South London, I'd handle the situation so much more differently. <laughs> Someone would get a knock on the door and then we have a conversation. If the conversation doesn't go how I like that conversation to go, you have like, yeah, you, you have to realise that this would be the last time you say this. And like, I've had to do that before. I've had to knock on someone's door and have a conversation with mum and dad. Do you understand that? Like, and be like, okay, cool. Like, mum and dad, son thinks he's a bad boy. This is why he's not a bad boy. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> But you can't do that in these situations. You have to play the legal game. So that's where it felt kind of like under attack because I'm like, I have to do this um, talking and going through files and paperwork. And because I do run a business, I'm used to keeping paperwork for, for an insane amount of time. I'm I'm used to being able to file documents, do my accounts myself, do... um. Uh, pay do do the wage slips for my past employees. Work out national insurance contribute. You, once you've done all that stuff, especially coming from hip hop, like when it comes to something like this, I'm just adopting the same things. I'm just keeping everything in place. And um, yeah, I'm 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 just like um, it's just really like I forgot your question. So I went on a tangent. So,
1: <laughs> <laughs> so just if, you know, if, if they were going to come back and say, look, we want to settle out of court, because if if the if the evidence is as strong. To, to you know what what I suppose it's a double-edged sword like obviously we're not, we don't want to talk money or anything like that but if they wanted to settle out of court would you be in a position to just go I just want this shifted or would you be at a point now where it's a point it's, it's yeah it's a point that I'm proving Do, do you know what I mean
2: yeah I, I don't know because to be honest I um excuse me I think um I'm in two minds about the legal system anyway. Like, I don't 100% know how favorable the legal system is going to be. I could do a full five days court. It could be the last second of the day and the ruling goes against me. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't, historically, looking at this system, it doesn't, it doesn't work. It doesn't favour people from my culture. It doesn't favour people who look like me. So I'm very sceptical of this system in general. I'd like to believe that justice will prevail, but I don't know. I don't know. Um, when they was talking about employment tribunals, I believe, if I remember the statistic, it's like 23% of cases successfully get to the stage that I'm at. Um, and only 3% of those even win. And that's with, like, legal representation. That's with, like, people backing them. This is me doing it by myself. I've only, over the last few months, got legal representation because that shit's mad expensive. They were saying to me, like, <laughs> they were saying to me like, yeah, it's going to be £800 pounds for us to even have a conversation. And then I'm oh, like, you God. do know I'm outside the, the country, right? You do know this is COVID. And they're like, yeah, it's £800 pounds, or it's going to be £400. Pounds. So in terms of the settling, I don't know. And then what I was saying about us being creatives is, like, this has inspired so much work from me like if if i don't think i would have had the drive to put out five wings um if it wasn't for this court case and now um my next single is basically is going to be launching um an organization i'm launching called black equals us and it's basically like an organization to help people going through race discrimination cases people who are underrepresented basically to try and put them with um lawyers who can help out and to different videographers that I know who can create short form content telling their story. So it's driven me to set up a new company. Um it's also the name of my next single it's called Black Equals Us. And um yeah, like I I, I feel that they need to they need to publicly feel it. They need to publicly feel it because if not, like well, how would they learn? Like how would they learn if they don't publicly feel it?
0: Yeah. I think, it, you know, it's a, obviously a, a negative kind of experience to be in, but I like that you've made a positive out of it as well. Yeah. And it has inspired you um, to hopefully help a lot of people. So tell us about the five wings. How would you describe that to someone that's not heard it?
2: <laughs> a woman, I performed it and um, a woman came up to me. This is like the first time I performed it. Um, she put her hand on my shoulder and she said, oh, I hope you suit out your life. That song's really <laughs> hard to listen to. <laughs> so so I basically it's, it's 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 basically the most scarily honest song that I've ever released. I've got other songs that go deep that hit nerves, but this is the most scarily honest one that I've ever released. And um it just talks about my life, different stages of my life. Um when my friend one of my friends got stabbed, next one, a girl I was seeing. She says she's pregnant and we are trying to decide what we're going to do. Next one, my friend committed or tried to commit suicide. Other times I'm going through debt and there's bailiffs at my door. So I basically just spoke the whole song and just kind of encapsulated what was happening.
0: Wow. And as I mentioned in my intro as well, that's currently being played on BBC six music as well.
2: Yes. Um, it got played for the first time on BBC six last night by, um, Tom Robinson. Uh, Tom Robinson's a legend, man. And he, um, he reached out to me personally to, um, I don't know if he does this for every artist, but he reached out to me personally and he was just like, this song is really good. It really affected me. And, um, I want to play it on my show, but it's got too many f bombs in it. And I was basically <laughs> saying like, "Well, I gave him my situation because so, I think sometimes when you're going through stuff, that like, especially through COVID, especially through like all these situations I was going through, like I think as a man as well, and just as just as where I come from in my community as well, we're not we're not really geared up to even talk about our problems. So when you go through shit, you just keep it all to yourself. and You don't really say nothing. And I realize as I get older, and especially this year, that that doesn't do nothing. That doesn't do nothing. But um, you don't have to tell everybody your worries me story. But sometimes, instead of looking like some flaky person who's not going to be able to be up to task, just let people know that, right, this is the situation. So I said to Tom, basically, I've am um, got bills to pay back home. I've got bills out here. Excuse me. When I got the song mastered, I didn't think it was going to get played on radio, so I just got an explicit version of the song done, and then I got an instrumental version of the song because we're doing um, syncs to TV. We're trying to push for TV syncs. So I said to him, I'm going to get the radio edit done in a few weeks when I get paid again. And so he was like, okay, don't worry. I'll do you a radio version of your song. And I said to him, it had already been played on BBC a few weeks, but the radio DJ, Cyan." Anderson, um she's also an A and R for Polydor, um and she's she's instrumental when putting a lot of Graham MCs on Radio One Extra. So I said she's got a version of the song because she played it. You might be able to get it from her. And so he said, "Oh, he'll check that out." And then he did his own radio radio edit for me and sent it to me. So I don't know if he does that for everybody else, but he done that for me, and I was extremely extremely grateful for that. Um, mm-hmm. So he played it on BBC 6 last night on the BBC Introducing show. Um he said he said it was pro- he said it was perhaps the best song that he played that week on the show. And I, I really like there were some really good songs on that show last night. I don't know if my song honestly was the best song, but I'm grateful that he thought it was. Um and so that got played last night. It's going to be repeated again tonight I believe. Um and then yeah, like from that I'm just going to I'm just tracking all the data that's coming in on my website. I've got my little Facebook pixels set up, lovely, just watching all this data come in. <laughs>
0: and the singles available kind of everywhere? Is it iTunes and Amazon?
2: Yeah, everywhere. It's on everywhere. Um, iTunes, Apple, um, you can get on my website as well. Um, I'm doing like a special deal on my website where you can get the song for that like 70p, download it, only for a week, though, and then you get, like, a little artwork bundle. Um, so, yeah, that's a little special deal that's going on on my website, mikeassassin.com at the moment. Um, and, yeah, I'm just I'm having fun with it. It's, it's been overwhelming. It's been extremely overwhelming these last few weeks. Like it's, it's probably one of the most overwhelming, like, times in my adult life, just the love that I've been receiving from this song. It's been ridiculous. It's been insane.
0: Yeah, and what we'll do as well is just um, for anyone listening to this podcast. If you look at the description, we'll put the link in uh, to the website and uh, to the iTunes and everything like that. So make sure you go out and download it. And um, you're you also running a, a competition, aren't you? Uh, simultaneously with the with the
2: song. <laughs> yeah, but like Spreadshirt, kind of they fucked me up a little bit still because like, I don't know where they did this. So basically, on Spreadshirt, like you can um you can do all your merchandise and um basically you can get all your merchandise if you've got the original designs you can put all your merchandise together and um for some reason like these are created from scratch files that me and my guys have created. For some reason they're saying that the logos and the designs we've used are potentially plagiarized and they're not like I have all the like files on my computer but they've said that they are um, there's a problem with the files. So I've got to wait for someone human to get back to me, hopefully by Monday to rectify it, or the merch should have already been online. So there is a competition. I want people to basically look at one of my lyric videos and I want them to recite the lines from my lyric video um, and then upload it to their socials and tag me in for the chance to win some free merchandise. Um, so that's what we're running at the moment. Um, but without people being able to see the merchandise, it's not really inspiring anybody. So I need to actually get the merchandise and then put it online, so yeah.
1: There is a competition you could run for us. Are you still battle rapping?
2: I'm not, you know, I'm not. You want me to battle someone on your show? I'm not battle rapping, no. Battle rap's weird at the moment, Do you know why? It's weird at the moment.
1: Well, not battle rapping, you know, just dropping the odd diss track, you know. We, we, <laughs> we got scammed, didn't we, a couple of weeks ago.
2: Oh yeah, Af- I heard Afghan Dan, I was listening to that. I like Afghan Dan, what happened? I <laughs> like Afghan Dan.
1: God knows what happened, man.
0: Still don't know if it was him or not.
1: Uh, it's just time? really odd, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Feel free to <laughs> to do something on that, but um, tell us why why is it a little bit strange uh, for battle rap at the moment?
2: Let me let me just go to Afghan one. Say so I like I like Afghan, and I think like what he was saying, like if it was, I understand saying like you have to promote to the audience. Like I get that whole thing, um, but also. I don't know, like, you have to see the... the If it was him, like, someone in his team should be looking at the, um, the value in basically curating new audiences. Like, this is, like... This is why I love kind of shows like this. I grew up listening to, like, pirate radio, and so I know the power of just a, a cultivated niche audience who basically... There might not be millions of them, but there are people who are listening because they want to listen and wanting to listen rather than being forced to listen on, say, like a large radio station. It's almost like you get a quality over quantity. And that's why someone in his team probably got to just let him know that, like, when you get platforms such as this, they are so, like you got to treat them. I was all ready to get my hair. I was all getting my hair cut today. I'm setting up yeah, the lights probably. in the studio. Then I get a message from Paul saying, Oh, you know, it's just audio. So I'm there ready. Like, I'm literally like, okay, ready to set up lights, haircut, everything. I, I treat these things so serious. And I'm, now I can just chill in my boxes in front of the fans. So it's cool. <laughs> yeah. It's like
1: working
0: from
1: home, isn't it? I, I mean, I, yeah. I suppose the, the thing to touch on with that is, you know, we, we came at that from an angle as as being. Um, fans of Dan so Mm -hmm. that that was real wasn't it so we when we when we kind of put together a list of potential people that we want to bring into the show you know I would say 100 percent of people that are there we're we're fans of in one way shape or form Mm. Um, and so you know it's I don't know I suppose it's just a weird a weird thing and you know is it is it is it susceptible to a hack don't know, or could it just be that I'll just see what I can what I can do here? Do, yeah. do you know what I mean? Um, I don't know, man. if Money's that tight. <laughs> um, I can't. The game, imagine the
2: game being, did something. Say, say,
1: No, I was just going to say, like, I can't imagine it being that rough that he, he you know, he needs to scam thirty pound off somebody. Yeah. Um, so what what volume you do that I've, I've no idea and that's I think that was the reason that we thought well we've paid our 30 quid for the interview that didn't happen so let's just put an interview out there of what actually happened just to let people know because if you're doing that on a big scale then that's potentially a lot of money but also it it, it kind of gives people a bad name within that industry you know if you if you want to um, speak to somebody, or or maybe set something up. There's there's now an element of uh, I don't know. I mean, we we weren't ever ones for paying for interviews anyway. We just did that because it was like there was a little bit additional that he push, punched in there. Like you know, I'll do X, Y, and Z, um, and also it was kind of like I don't mind thirty quid to speak to, to speak to this guy. Do you know what I mean? It's it was it was just one of them, but. Yeah, interesting. But I don't know. I guess whenever I know, he... he, he uh, It's
2: sad as he well. Mm. Yes. <laughs> it is. It's sad because it's like, that, if that is truly him, then maybe he might be dealing with some stuff as well. You know, like behind the scenes, there could be loads of stuff going on. Um, but also it's just like, your name is important. And it's like, once you put that out there, even just to have that attached to your name, like, oh yeah, this guy is not going to turn up. This guy is not going to deliver, like there has to be like a quality associated with your name or what you do. And I I feel that that's, I feel that that's important. So I don't know him. I can't speak for him. um, But it is always one of those things where name spreads, like you guys are, you guys are people that I got a lot of love and respect for. So it's like if his name comes up in a conversation and someone says, "Oh yeah, we should get such and such," my first thing is gonna be, and it's unfortunate that my first thing's gonna be like, "No, nah, yeah, the situation with my peoples, you know." So yeah, man, fall back from that. That could be a link that would have changed. Do you know what I mean? You never know, but it's like that's not my doing. That's what he's. That's or whoever's controlling yeah, exactly. his Twitter because you have. Yeah, you have weird. T- the game did something to me like this recently. Like he run <laughs> the game, as in, i.e., the game used to be signed to G it the game, right? So I still, t- I'm still looking back at these messages, thinking, nah, this is not really the game. It's 100 million percent the game, right? Do you know what he did on his Insta? He said, if you are, if you're an artist out there who's hungry and you want to kind of get on one of my projects, I'm putting together these things, such and such and such. So I get a message from my home girl, um, who I grew up with. She grew up with us in Newark, we're from the same estate. Her brother's also an MC, proper talented MC. Um, we all grew up together. I get tagged in a post of her saying, um, "Game, you should check out my friend Mike Assase, my brother, and a few other people that I knew from my area." Um, so I have said thank you to her in the post, and then like, I send Game a message. Like, I got tagged in a post on your page um, from my homegirl. This is the single. This is my single. I didn't get a message from Game Say I'm going to say it in Game's Ways Let me read it out, actually. I get a single. It's so yeah. funny. I, start, I don't know if it's Game, but uh, it's, he said, let me fight the game. Los Angeles Confidential. I still, to this day, I can't believe it's actually, him. But, um, so I, so
1: I to, said, I said we definitely have like we have a six degree separation element with the game, don't we? Yeah. So one of our friends was in, he was in Manchester wasn't he? when when they were doing a gig, and yeah. he was he was a uh, was he a hotel porter or just a a, a room service guy? I don't yeah. know. I mean, he he worked it. at the yeah he worked at the hotel that the game was staying in, and he got called to unclog a toilet. <laughs> 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 this this guy is like you know eight stone piss wet through just just really you know proper nerdy guy um opens the door and there's all these all these dudes in there and the games there with them. they've got a toilet that's blocked and overflowing but he said they, the guys were ace they had him like playing playstation with them while they <laughs> while they were unclogging the toilet
2: <laughs> mm. it's just so no, funny that's a shit that's a shitty, shitty situation <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> game with his hand down the toilet no, finally,
2: yeah. Yeah, he's a funny guy, man. So he messaged me saying, yo, what up, G? Saw your tag on my post. You got some fire you can send? And I said, like, yo, I just sent you the videos. Look above. Then he gets back to me saying, "Um, I think he deleted some of these messages as well. I'm dropping a new project and I'm down to push your sound. The series is called Head Games. And I'm like, OK, I sent you my single above. You should check it out. And he's like, if you're down, I need your hardest track right now, blood. MP form 750, a playlist slot. But I could work with you on the pricing. What can you do now? Plus, I'll be reposting you on my stories when the playlist drops. It's your record. In big capital letters, it's not a feature. So I send him, like, my playlist, uh, my Spotify link. He said, okay, cool. Let's lock it in now. Cash App or Apple Pay on the payment. What's your number? Then I got you an email for the track, and I just said, "Yo, I ain't got seven fifty. It's kind of Corona time. I'm outside the country, and then I'm down to work with you on pricing. What can you do now to save your spot? This is like the game. I'm clicking back through to his profile, like fuck, you know, this is really the game. Still, I'm like, right, why this game wants seven hundred and fifty dollars so much? So I send him through some stuff, and then he just like, let me know, let me know. So I'm just like, yo, I did the message back. Still, I just thought like, this guy is like, he's
1: doing sounds a lot strange as well, well Yeah.
0: And it also sounds like uh, Westwood. <laughs> <is from>
1: his <laughs>
0: account. <laughs> good Tim Westwood there. <laughs> um, yeah, but again. yeah, that, that it sounds very. But I don't odd, know
2: a lot of people... Strange.
0: Yeah, I mean, I wonder strange. if it's just someone in his account, but yeah, that's a, a strange thing, really, isn't it? Very strange
2: why though why would you do that as well why would you risk this is someone who's brought up consistency in my mind for like the last 10 plus 15 plus years as someone who honestly I don't know him as a person but you've built up consistency in my mind like I believe when you drop music it's something I'm going to check out when you drop interviews it's something that I check out you've built up a brand consistency in my mind and now just with s- several weird little messages, it's made me kind of think, mm, "What's going on with this guy?" So it's, yeah, Afghan and they, uh, Afghan and Gay might have the same management consultancy. I don't know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so um, I know we've talked a lot about your music, and um, but you're also you've mentioned uh, your company that makes videos. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Um,
2: so I got a video production with a production organisation called Forward 360 and, um, it started in 2010 and basically I had, um, I set up a record label in 2003 and, um, doing that record label it was basically just to release the stuff from my team. So I was like 18 when I set that up just so I could basically release my own music. And then as the years was kind of going along, um, the record label side of things was becoming more and more dormant. And then I got into video around 2007 and was just testing video. I was filming quite a lot of stuff that didn't really work out. And then I don't know why between 2007 and 2009, all these little shit, crappy little videos I filmed in my garden and around Lewisham, they just started to look good. And I was like, hold on, this isn't just kind of like good because my ego is telling me it's good. I'm like, my friends actually think this is good. My family members think this is good. And so I was just waiting to get to a point where it was good enough that I could sell it as a service. And um, it took about two years. And so I set up a video production company that basically um, did like corporate videos. And I didn't know we were just going to do corporate videos. We started doing corporate videos. So one of our first clients was um, Jurgens Naturals, the um, cosmetics company. And then. I basically took that video that I filmed for them, um, took it to another company, kept on taking it to different companies until we got more and more work. And um, I, had a, I had originally from the beginning, I wanted to basically have a website which was like an online magazine. So we would have our corporate work and then we would have our creative work. And then um, my business mentor at the time was the head of marketing for Sainsbury's and we had done some work and stuff for Sainsbury's. And she said to me that if you're doing corporate videos and then you're doing videos from artists who are doing freestyles and um, things to do with, like, um, creative arts that are not necessarily mainstream but niche, she said, maybe you might be confusing your message. So have you thought about doing two websites? And at the time, I never thought of it like that. But then it made sense to basically have a corporate website and a creative website. And so the corporate website was called the RAR, which stands for the Revolution is Real. And then the creative website was called Forward 360. And then as the years went along, like running two websites, two media, like uh, it's just long. It's a lot of work, like two websites, two sets of emails, two sets of social medias. Um, It just became a lot. And so like two years ago, I basically kind of shut down um the side of it. That was the RAR and basically just re- regrouped it under Forward 360, which it was. Um, it was all kind of sitting under Ford 360, but I, I was like, no, nah, I need to actually make the workload less. So that's essentially what Ford 360 does. We do corporate videos. A lot of our clients are charities. So like um, Prince's Trust. Prince's Trust is a client, St. Mongo's is a client, um, and a lot of smaller charities, which we love working with. And then I work with a lot of artists, um, musicians, a lot of musicians, and a lot of... um. Um, small businesses so yeah it's brilliant yeah
0: it's
1: really good yeah
0: so you yeah, mentioned so uh, so we've, got, we've got the five wings out now um, is that from mm-hmm. an album or is it a work in
2: progress um my ego wants to say it's from an album but it's not from <laughs> an album it's from um, I had an EP which I'm still going to drop but um I don't know. Like I feel, I feel like I um, an album I think is a special thing for me. Like just the era I grew up in, like an album was a special body of work. And at this precise moment, I have incredible producers around me. I have incredible people around me. Um, and I want to be in a better position to be able to drop an album with the same kind of campaign and thought behind it that some of my favorite albums had. And so. Right now, I'm just going to be releasing singles. I think singles are a much more easier way to build up your fan base, um, reconnect with people, and um, and and test things out. Like it's got to be fun. That's one thing I said. Once I get back in music after having like an eight year gap, it's got to be fun. It's got to be fun. If it's not fun, then I'm just wasting my time.
1: Yeah. And I think I think singles are kind of like the way it's done now, isn't it? You know, like I, I know quite a few sort of indie artists that are dropping, you know, single after single after single. Someone like me might be thinking, well, "Where's the album? Where's the album?" But there's so much more you can do with a single because if you look at each one as a piece, you know, just a singular body of work. You know, when you get a good thought process behind a video or. Whatever, then that builds up more traction. I feel than an artist coming out and maybe just dropping a couple of singles and then putting an album out. I think people are going to be drawn more towards this video was good and then this, you know, this single I liked and and, and that type of thing. Which I think now it's probably you have to do that for about two years before you even probably consider dropping. It. Or certainly some of the artists that I follow of. Have, have, kind of adopted that format and it just seems to be the way that people consume music certainly with like you know the way streaming sites are now it's mm-hmm. it's, it's a different way isn't it
2: yeah mm-hmm. i i think that's good though i think it's um i think you have to kind of adapt sometimes i think we can be um i know i've been guilty of this in the past i can be very I have been and I'm trying I'm trying not to be I can be very hip hop snobbish sometimes I can be like yeah it's not it's not 93 beats per minute it's not it's not it's not hip hop like I've been like that myself in the past and that's a very dangerous way to live because then you you um you lock yourself out of the beauty of things that you can be learning um and so I feel like streaming is its own is its own entity now what used to work with me selling CDs hand to hand, thousands of them up and down the country, it doesn't work for streaming. Um, having like small indie record stores where you would have your music on a sale or return basis, that doesn't work the same way as it works for streaming. Selling CDs off of MySpace, um and, and using PayPal back in mid two thousands, that doesn't work the same for streaming. So it's its own independent thing and I think um A lot of artists have to learn to get out of our own way sometimes. Sometimes we have to learn just to be like, this is the way how things are going. Embrace it, go forward with it, have fun with it. And so I make sure I surround myself with knowledgeable people from my generation, and I have a batch of just young, super creatives um, who I just ask. I ask for their input. I ask them, what do you lot think of this single Do you think this works? What do you think I should be? How do you think I should be pushing it? Who should I be talking to? And I think, yeah, sometimes we got to get out of our own ways. And, um, yeah, streaming is just a tool. It's marketing. I don't see it as a way that I'm going to generate millions and millions and millions amounts of money. I would love to. I would love to fucking generate millions and millions, but I think it's a marketing tool. It's a tool for me to be able to showcase my music, to do other stuff. and I can still sell music off my website at whatever price I want to sell it off. Um, streaming sites—if you go through like a TuneCore or a Distrokid or um or any of the others—they're going to set the price. You can set the price, but they're essentially going to be the ones who control what the price is. On my own website, I can set whatever price. I can build up my followers. I can build up my subscribers. Um, and that's what it is. It's like current—the currency is attention. Like, people's attention is your currency. People's eyeballs are your currency. And it's like, that's what we need. We need to cultivate really dedicated. Even if there's 100 people that follow me, right? There's 100 people that follow me and those 100 people are all engaged. I would rather have 100 people all engaged than a million people who don't give a fuck. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Yeah, if you get, like, 10% return off that, it's not as... I get what you mean. It's the well, the 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 levels are not there, are they?
2: Yeah, and I think um, I I don't know I don't know who's um well obviously it's designed like that like the, the music industry is run by tech companies so it's kind of like the tech companies know the data the tech companies know the, and the tech companies are so intelligent because they know that data drives everything and that's why I've always been on this um trying to even when we used to sell cds we'd be out in that oxford street um selling cds and we'd keep like a sales list so we had to we had to i had to get i had to get the guys in my team um to write down little bits of information about everyone they sold a cd to like roughly where the people were from we'd try and get an email address just things like that and this is like mid-2000s just so we can build up a list obviously with gdpr you can't do that shit now without opt-in forms and all of that stuff but um Yeah, like knowing who your fan base is and, um, I don't know, like treating them with respect as well, like treating them with respect and basically valuing the fact that they even signed up to your shitty little list or my shitty little list or whoever's shitty little list, just just valuing them is important, I think. Yeah.
0: So what's the future now for, for yourself and for the business?
2: Um. We just celebrated ten years with Ford 360. Whoop 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 whoop, whoop. And um yeah. <laughs> I know you guys have been like this a long time. You like know those milestones are like oh, God, yes. daunting as well, because you're like Pardon? You
1: tend to have four to five years off at a time though <laughs> <Yeah>. in between <laughs> projects. So
2: <yeah. laughs> it balances it's out to like a good solid 10. Um but no, I think milestones are important because you get to showcase like even just sometimes to yourself, like, there was, like, you just get to have a little, just a little moment to yourself that, right, I really did this. Like, this really has been done over 10 years. There's been years when we've been more active, years where we haven't been active, but there's always been a step forward. And um, so, yeah, just celebrated 10 years before 360. Um, And now I'm basically, because it's, like, my second business I set up, I'm going to now basically just find ways just to have more fun with cultivating more content 60 seconds is a is a is an amount of time that I like to put into content because it's a good amount of time to capture people's attention so we're developing a lot more of 60 second content um I'm gonna be doing like a lot more I want to be doing a lot more episodic content and um it started off as a video production company and now it's kind of 360 itself into not with a not with a um, not with a horrible 360 deal, but it's kind of turned itself into a label. So my single Five Wings was the first release on um this new label. Um, I've got a bunch of artists around me that I want to release music for, and I basically just want to um yeah, I just want to create content that people like um to do with music, entrepreneurship, business um work on collaborations with different people and. Yeah, have fun. I, having fun is is super important for me because there's a That's lot of artists it. from my generation. So, say, say it again, Claire.
0: That's why you're doing it. You you need to have fun,
2: but not all. But I think a lot of us forget that. That's the thing as well, and I forgot it for many years as well. Um, we there's so many musicians that I grew up around. Some of them I haven't seen in years, and then when I bump into them, they're like. Fuck this radio DJ. They're like, fuck you, but fucker, fuck this computer. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not a computer? Fuck, fuck this um, fuck this radio station. Fuck these people. And I'm like, Ross, oh, slow down, what happened? They're like, Yeah, do you remember back in the day and Westwood never played my music and this person never played my music and this magazine? Oh, fuck them all. And I'm like, yo, like, I understand that frustration, but like, you know, you can do stuff without having to go through any of those people. And they're like, yeah, but fuck him anyway. And it's just like very jaded and they're very bitter and they're very upset that they didn't, like, I don't know, like they never got to the levels that they should have got to. And it's like, my thing is always like, I understand that frustration, but that energy doesn't help anybody. It doesn't help. It doesn't give anybody, it doesn't give anybody a good feeling. Even when you tell that story, like, yes, you might have been, you might have had a relationship with a radio dj who didn't bring you in or whatever but um yeah that's why it always has to be fun for me so i'm glad when i stepped away from music for about 8 years i wasn't around a lot of jaded musicians um i was around a lot of videographers i was around a lot of animators and editors and um we ne- it wasn't the same conversation it was more productive and active so yeah so i, I just fun fun is the most important thing if it starts to stop feeling fun for me, then i got to do something else. Um, and I need it to be fun and I need people to, I don't know, I, I want them to feel the energy that I'm putting out. Like I said, even if there's only 100 people listening, I-, I want them to feel that I appreciate them listening. So, yeah.
0: So here's to another 10 years?
2: Yes, here's to another 10 years and another... um. Yeah, many, many more and um who knows what oh. there was gonna be in ten years time, but fucking all. We'll
0: hopefully
2: catch up before then, obviously. <laughs> um, <laughs> we could do a, a ten year reunion and have Afghan on we can have
1: a, <laughs> a I'll have there. a good good laugh about
0: <laughs> so thank you so much for joining us today As I mentioned earlier, everything that you've mentioned In terms of your website, uh, the albums Coming out and everything like that We'll post below the podcast If anyone's listening wants to quickly follow you Where can we find you?
2: Um, they can find me at Mike Assassin on every social So that's M-I-C-A-S-S A-S-S-I-N On every social um, Yeah And um, reach out, just let me know what you're feeling um I try to I get back to everybody um and yeah, I'm just yeah, I'm just a guy, I'm just acting I'm just a creative I feel like I'm like a um I feel like I'm like a nine year old right who's like in the body of like a thirty six year old but I look twenty four and it's like I'm like I'm so like especially the last few weeks it's really like reminded me that like I'm so like i'm so grateful that i do what i do because if i didn't do music if i didn't do video i would especially in this time of the world like going through covid um family stuff then being across the other side of the world like not even being there my own things i'd be going crazy like i literally would be going extremely crazy but music and being having an outlet to create basically um keeps me sane keeps me sane in the most greatest way so like, i'm just grateful the last few weeks have been overwhelming Like people that i people from my primary school people from my fucking primary school people from nursery who have never ever in life even engaged with any of my posts have shared anything i've ever posted have been posting the video and posting the music and buying it and tagging me in places where they pushed it to their friends. I don't know why. I don't know why this song has done this for me. It's it's like I've sent it to radio DJs who've ignored me for about 15 years and they've played it or they've featured it. I don't know why. To be honest, I don't know why, but I'm just so grateful and um yeah, I'm just going to keep having fun with it.
0: Fantastic. So, thank you very much for
2: joining us. Thank uh, and we thank will you, Claire,
0: Hopefully, get back to the UK as well.
1: (laughs) Yeah, remember, you're always back on. So, next single you plug in, jump back in.
2: Thank you, guys. And yeah, hope you guys have a good Sunday. Much love, much blessings. Thank you. Bye bye. See you later. Bye. Bye.